I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast from two brothers who watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. On today's episode of the podcast, we are celebrating a very Movies While They Sleep 30th birthday for Mitchell. Happy birthday, Mitchell. And the movie that we saw for his birthday, uh, the newly released, long-anticipated Avatar, The Way of Water. This is exactly what you've always been hoping for, right? Avatar on your birthday, you know? (laughs) You said to me with this recommendation, I see you. And I said, do you? (laughs) Well, let's cut to our conversation already in progress about James Cameron and everything Avatar. Let's jump in, sleepy So I've been watching The Lord of the Rings this week in segments while I'm doing other stuff, working out and stuff. Extended edition? No. Then you ain't watching The Lord of the Rings. There is something so, like, cozy to me about Fellowship because, like, that movie is so deeply ingrained in me. They're at, like, a a bar at night, and it's raining. It's it's more, like, how familiar I am with every sequence in that movie. Right. And and I I was watching it, and I was so struck by, like, how good it is. And and it's, in particular, this go-around is, like, the narrative structure of the movie, which is, mm-hmm. it's, uh, the content is the same as the book, and I think it's a faithful, especially that first movie is a really faithful adaptation, but the way that he disseminates information uh, so well and so strategically, it's it's like you're never waiting for anything to happen. You're, you're never... Right. And and he's giving you everything you need at any given point. You know, the the one kind of the big thing that I think about most is the way that you you know in the novel, right? Gandalf leaves Frodo, says you got to go to go to Rivendell, or you know, I'll meet you at the the Prancing Pony Inn. And then Frodo goes, and Gandalf doesn't show up, and like you know, Aragorn comes, Weathertop happens, they finally get to Rivendell, and it's only then in the novel where Gandalf shows up, and then it's like you know, probably 30 pages of him, like, talking about his little, you know, mishaps with Saruman and all of that. But Peter Jackson, like, sprinkles that in throughout. So it's kind of creating this building tension with Gandalf and and not letting you kind of be lost in, well, where did that character go, you know? it It's so well done in in the way that he's distributing information. The other thing that really stuck out to me is the... At the same time, there is a real patience in the movie. I was tracking, like, when certain characters get introduced. Sam, who's, like, an extremely important character, <laughs> does not make his appearance till like, 35, 38 minutes into the movie. All of a sudden, he's just, like, thrust into this. And and that surprised me, right? Because I, when I think of the Fellowship of the Ring, I think of Sam and Frodo. And... Right. And that he, it takes so long, and it's like he—it's thirty-five minutes before he's ain't no ain't dropping no eaves, right? That's the line. <laughs> you know, I feel like everything you're saying, like the pace and just like kind of being 
again we know it's good but like surprised I know. by how good it is i feel the exact same way about jim carrey's how the grinch <laughs> which, which i have on the tv that, that movie right like it just it moves so moves at such a brisk pace though it, it's <laughs> insane he's i have it on for two minutes he's already in whoville in a mask like oh like my god <laughs> causing traffic accidents someone has vandalized those vehicles <laughs> Handing kids bone saws. <laughs> I watched that with Enoch for the first time last week, and I don't think it's a good movie, but it is mesmerizing. And I think they were made the same year. It's, it is. I, I, Listen, <laughs> something was in the water with cinema in the early 2000s. I, I know we're not here to talk about Ron Howard, but it is weird that Ron Howard made that movie and then He's made like, A Beautiful oh. Mind. He's <laughs> like, hold on, I need to take the Grinch. <laughs> It's a passion project. Let him cook. No, but you know I, that it, it's a good it's a good segue though because the, when you were telling me about the Lord of the Rings before we got on and I was like, hey, record this is podcast gold. <laughs> I was thinking about and me, now I've got the Grinch on. Me, I was thinking me saying the Lord of the Rings is good. Have you heard? <laughs> I'm like, this is movie content. Dodoy. I was thinking every single movie that I saw growing up was a good movie. <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> like that was your perception. Yeah, there wasn't. Oh, no, I one got a bad g- movie. I got a good one for you that we that you know what was such a good movie that oh boy, Bruce Willis, the kid, the kid. <laughs> yeah, we famously had a broken Chicken Run DVD <laughs> that we tried to return to Best Buy yes. or Target. Yeah, yeah, we did, and they didn't have it, and they let us get a lesser movie that's what the was it the kid was it the kid they said you gotta buy a lesser movie (laughs) because you don't have receipts and so we bought the kid and man it it was my favorite movie for a week (laughs) but isn't that a funny thing because the movie we are going to talk about today Mm -hmm. avatar the, the way, way of, of the water. water. Just no, the way of the water. The way of the water works no, for this guy. The way over of here. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, the way of water. It reminds me it is that Lord of the Rings feeling again. Mm. Of like, oh, remember when things were good? Like like these these kind of epic tales were actually good and not makes me hate the state of movies. It, you know? Because I think I take for granted as a kid, you assume every movie you see is good. And then there's the ones that are you know, good for when you're watching it as a 10 year old. Yeah. And then there's Lord of the Rings good where it's like, Oh no, this was important. Yes. Stays the test of time and you will continue to revisit it the rest of your life. And I just think we've gotten so, um, I, it was like our Sunday afternoon today, we were baking Christmas cookies and you know, just kind of that. And it was all foggy in Sacramento, that kind of vibes. And, and mm-hmm. Enoch got a train set, like an electric, a nice electric train set. So we were putting that together. And so I just put on Little Women, the 2019 Little Women. And, and like very, I mean, this is different because that movie came out when we were adults. But I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so good. And this is mm-hmm. unusual. Like this is the, and, this like, is the undeniably, exception. Undeniably you good. Kind of, you don't need to twist your mood into really enjoying it. Yeah. Or like, you know, this was a good, this was like a four star, four and a half star movie, which is like a feeling I have for lots of movies this year. I was like, no, no, this yeah. is good. This mm-hmm. is good. Yes. But not like, my God, just. Yeah. Which is what Little Women out. is. It's, yeah. it's just so good. And I loved watching Enoch kind of interact with it because I knew it wasn't going to be something that he would sit and just watch. Doesn't go to pin. But, 
he would kind of, he, you know, he'd go off and play with the train and then a, a new kind of sequence would start and he would like get drawn back into it and could pick up on the, the you know, the kind of the, the, the cinematic language of it. And he understood, mm-hmm. you know, the, the introduction of Meg and the first, you know, five minutes of the movie, right? You know, it's, you've got Joe tra- sells her first story and then it's Amy painting and then it's Meg and she's like looking at fabric in a shop and Enoch says, is this the poor? She poor. <laughs> yes. He says, is this the poor sister? <laughs> it's like, ah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, she was on the screen for four seconds. And I was like, well, how did you know that? And he's like, well. She poor as hell. <laughs> I, he said, well, you, it, well, the other one who was painting looked like she was rich. And I figured one of them's got to be poor. <laughs> I'm like okay, like wise kid. <laughs> if there's one that's rich in this world, that means there's one that's poor. Wise beyond his years. But he, I mean, you know, and I don't know what his rationale Honestly, is. Honestly, that's but, an avatar lesson, a life for a life. <laughs> but he was picking up on some visual cue, right? Of some, you know, sure. there's something, and it. Little Women is so good, but it is certainly the exception. And I think that's a really good way of putting it too. Like movies this year for me, it's been a lot of like, yeah, that was pretty good. Four, four and a half stars. And so few, I I was looking at like my letterboxed, you know, stats or whatever, and like how many, you know, movies in certain years have five star ratings. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there is certainly a sweet spot of like the mid nineties to the mid two thousands. Well, no, I mean 2019, but like that age where it's just like, oh no, these were all really good movies. Just banger after banger. And I don't know if that's actually accurate or nostalgic. You know, these are important to me at a certain age, but I just I don't feel that for most things nowadays, and I, do, I definitely think there's just a difference right now, and that's fine. And 2019 was not that far in the past, but it was an exceptional do you think year. Nostalgia is a harder thing to develop today. Mm, yeah, I I think about it all the time with with my son. Like not even just for you as an adult, no, no, no. but for like kids as well. I think about it all the time with my son because everything is so accessible. And right. And so how does he develop nostalgia for something when he could in any given day be watching, you know, this new Netflix kids show, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender. He was watching some of that this week. He could be watching something from any era. You could just be watching YouTube videos of mostly like dummies in their homes doing stuff and mm. and never ever revisit those things, right? Like mm. And I just, I think about the stuff that was important to me as a kid. And it's like, it was important because it was good and I was into it, but it was also the only thing we had. It was important because it was there. Yes. You know, I took a picture of last time I was at mom's house of her DVD shelf. What, like a season and a half of Everybody Loves Raymond, uh, Jurassic Park 3. I could pull it it up. Stuart Little. Um, I was going to make my letterbox list of the DVDs that define me. I like there, there's a, a copy of the Italian job, which I always saw and I never watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, that's there. It's yellow. <laughs> I think we, I was like, the name sounds it, dumb. It's so funny. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I, I remember so distinctly the first DVD that we ever owned was The Matrix. But I recently oh, yeah. heard a podcaster who I listen to regularly share his first DVD was The Matrix, and he described that cardboard, cardstock box that folded out. And I would like... It, it's like, it was yeah. a box that opened. Yeah. It wasn't the, the plastic No, flick. it wasn't the... No, no. And we, we had that we one. We had that, that one, one, yeah. We had, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's the obsession with physical media for me. Like, it's kind of cute <laughs> to talk about records or DVDs as if like, no, it's like it's the ritual. It's it's a physical thing that you. But I'm finding that it's just my what it does for me is. It my, it's in my memory. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I remember that something exists. It, it, it was, a, I think it may have been the same podcast where they were talking about, you know, physical books or something. And it's like the book that's on your parents' bookcase when you were little and was there right. for 10 years and you walk by it every day. Oh, it's this is my a, cheese. With my cheese, right? And like the Left Behind series, <laughs> you know. And I feel like neither of them read. <laughs> Mom read them all. You you know this thing that's just constantly present in your life that you are not paying any attention to consciously, but is there. And now and one day, but then but then it's like at screaming. some point, in, <laughs> at some point in the future, you you know I think for me it has this effect of think of thinking oh that must be important because we had it. That Stuart Little must have been an important movie because we owned it on right. DVD. Why else would we have yeah. it in our house? And it is, it is, in fact, like the most forgettable kids movie from whatever year that was, right? Right. Yeah. I know. That's why I've been doing this thing this year. Like my top nine records-ish I got the vinyls for. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because I'm going to actually remember these records from this year. Yeah. Like I will forget everything. Like I cannot remember any artist that I like when I go to Spotify anymore. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same just, way. It it's it's like sand through your hands. Yeah, and it's same thing with movies. I feel like right now it's like, yep, saw oh yeah, saw that this year. It doesn't even register. Yeah, like so I, I feel, I feel like that with music. Christmas always reminds me of it. Like just this nostalgia is getting hard to come by I or feel, develop. I feel that with music in that when I I find it, when I have a limitless choice through Apple Music, Mm -hmm. what I end up listening to is the same five movie soundtracks or whatever it is, right? And mostly because I don't want to think and because the choice is overwhelming. And and there's a lot of research about that, right? That's why Trader Joe's is successful, people say, because there are less choices. Limits of choice. Yeah. Or in and out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So we are going to be talking about a movie We're going to be talking about Avatar, but do you want to talk about how we came to see Avatar this weekend? Because this was a, 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 this, you know, is connected to some podcast lore, if you will. Oh, right. Right. Well, the podcast started kind of in that for your 30th birthday, we took a trip to San Francisco to Alamo Draft House Movie Theater to see Parasite, which, uh, I feel like it was one of the maybe few theaters in the area that was showing it. Well, it was it was the it was the U.S. opening weekend for that, which was in like October of that year. And right, but like AMC wasn't showing. Oh yeah, well, I mean, way before this was like super limited release, San Francisco, L.A., New York kind of deal. But it was your your thirtieth, mm-hmm. so we're like, we got to do something, you know, a little a little more out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So we made a whole day of it, did a bunch of other stuff too. But we were both just floored by that movie, floored by that movie experience. Yeah. And I think that just kept us in conversation about the important movies of the year. And, like, you know, kind of trying to make sure we're both seeing them and talking about yeah. them. Which eventually led to us like, well, gosh darn it, why don't we hit record on, on these bad boys of conversations? <laughs> and uh, so then this year I turned 30. Last you did week. last week. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. And so we're like, all right, 
part two. We got to go again. And uh, we ended up not going. So happy birthday to me. <laughs> we, we were no, going to recreate I, this. We were going to go to the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco and see right. you know, a big new movie. A thing about me, I, I'm a bit of a sleepy demeanor. And for, so if we if we if that was gonna be the one thing I did for my birthday, like let's do it. Yeah. But Sarah surprised me by flying a friend out, former from podcast the country, guest Matt Mitune. Check out French Dispatch episode where we do our Wes Anderson power rankings and talk about the French Dispatch. But she flew Matt out and a week before, so it was a week of hanging with him. Yeah. And he is the opposite of a sleepy demeanor. So every night we're doing fun stuff. We're seeing shows. We're going out with friends. And by the time Friday rolled around and you, me, and Tony were going to go to San Francisco, I was like, guys, we're going to San Francisco to see Avatar. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we can find a theater in Sacramento. <laughs> the only thing that was really playing at Alamo on Friday was Avatar. Was Avatar, yeah. Like, Avatar and a bunch of movies we had already seen or yeah. didn't want to see. Yeah. But I, I, I was used to Alamo kind of having some options that were like, ooh, yes, I've been waiting for yeah. that, and I can't get it and anywhere it, else. we did catch it on a weird weekend. I mean, it sure. was Avatar week, right? Like, So we stayed in SAC and actually did a double feature. of We saw Avatar, and then we saw In the Morning, and then we saw White Noise, new, yeah. uh, new Noah Baumbach movie, yeah. uh, which will be out on Netflix in a couple weeks, but is doing limited run in theaters. Saw that in the evening, which we also will be doing an episode on yeah potentially yeah the, the the supposed alamo draft house is a is a core uh, event for this pod mm-hmm. and so we saw avatar in lieu of going there and now we gotta talk about it and again the experience i had with avatar it's the lord of the rings it is i feel like this is maybe gonna be nostalgic if for no other reason that we made an event out of it sure you yeah. being a friend yeah because other than doing something like that it's hard to form a memory around yeah media anymore yeah because I remember the first Avatar, and I saw it with you. Uh, that's and what I was saying. Well, yeah. I the first I was thinking I was thinking about it a lot this week. I remember seeing the first Avatar, and and like it wasn't it wasn't the biggest movie of all time when it came out, right? right? It was like it was the first movie from the guy who made Titanic since Titanic. So we're, and it was like blue people. It had no. I mean, it's not based on anything. That's what's so interesting about kind of its success story. You, me, and Matt saw it on like a Friday night. Which is wild because Matt was almost going to go to this show Yeah, he was always well. going to come with us. He got called in. <clears throat> I ended up going with Tony, who saw it with us, who saw the new one with us. I ended up going with Tony the next day on a Saturday and saw it in IMAX. And he, Tony and I were both remembering how we sat in the front row on the right side of the theater. We just had that conversation. that right. I could picture that. And then... Right. I saw it, I think I saw it again on Sunday of that weekend in 3D in a regular regular theater because the IMAX experience wasn't great or whatever. Like, I definitely saw it three times in theaters, and I don't really know why. And it's like the first one's not an amazing in terms of, like, (laughs) for what makes up a movie, which is, like, plot, Mm -hmm. character development. I don't know. All, all All the ingredients that go into making a great movie. Yeah. It's not great. But it is, for what it does... Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, and and I think a lot of this... I, th- I think the, the, the shame here with Avatar, the original, is how hard it is to remember how groundbreaking it was. Right. right. Because, I mean, it, it, it is... It represents this paradigm shift, right, of... Right. Now everyone do this. Yeah. 
And nobody does it as good. I mean, I saw it. So they, they did the re... I think I shared this on an episode of this podcast. They did the re-release in 4K in September of the original. I went and saw it. And the 3D still is amazing. And I mean, it's like the best 3D in a, a movie. Uh, and this new one. I mean, there's the two Avatar movies. There's not a movie that is as good in right. 3D. Except for maybe U2 3D, which... I saw oh, it in my next uh, No. <laughs> but, I mean, and I was so captured by how good this movie looked 13 years later, this year in mm-hmm. September, and how I'm so used to basically mediocre CG. Right, and right. You, you don't think it's as important what Avatar is doing because there's so many offerings for mm-hmm. what they're doing, but they're just so poor. They're so boring. Comparison. Yeah, and you go yes. and you watch the original and it's like, oh my gosh, this is a breath of fresh air. And this is, yeah, the, like, this is the thing that everything is derived from. We rewatched it at home yeah. and Sarah every five minutes or so was like, this is the cheesiest dialogue I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I know, but you know, that's part of this. <laughs> and, and, and this is the other thing. And it's like, let's turn on any superhero movie released in the past 10 years. And let's ask that question. There is, gosh, to me, Avatar is like, is so archetypical and elemental in ways. Right. That that it's like, it surpasses this dialogue that is so just in the middle, right? I think, Mm -hmm. I think part of like Marvel's success has been the cuteness and, and humor which, it, I which I know you hate. I know you absolutely hate that. But then I also right. think the DC movies, you know, kind of their Try gr- to get great too heady failure sometimes. is this. Yeah. Everything is so serious, slow, and, dark, and, and philosophical, and, and pretty bland in a lot of ways too. And and and, and visually clear as uh, mud. Yeah. And I know I'm not trying to say that Avatar's dialogue is great, but it is timeless in a way, right? Where the Marvel stuff, right. I think that the, the, the wittiness does not age as well. And right, yeah. It, there's like, it's at least hitting the beats and landing them. It is focused. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, when, when Home Tree is destroyed in that first movie, it, it is like this very moving sequence. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, why am I right, emotionally... Boys, back to base. <laughs> why am I emotionally moved All right, by ladies. this? <laughs> I, this uh, an hour ago, I did not know there was a thing called home tree. <laughs> right, like, and you're like, no, it can't be gone. That's that's where they talk to people. <laughs> and, and it is just kind of this thing of like, okay, but how does he do that? How, how is it that he's created a thing totally out of nothing? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's all archetypical stories, and you know, sure, it, sure. It, 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 it is it's a lot more grounded. Than the blue people would make you think it was to me. Yeah, yes, I, I and see. That, what you're I can understand a tree being yeah. destroyed a lot better than I can whatever magic crystals from space. The bad guys. Yes. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And and I, yeah, that's how I found. And it's you know I, the original for whatever reason. I mean, people make fun of it for or, or the joke is that it has no cultural footprint. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Highest grossing movie of all time with no cultural footprint whatsoever, and, and it's but, a, yeah, what a, does that even mean? I mean, to some degree, that is true, but but it's also like it just he he did not. We I think we te- we have a tendency in our culture over the last twenty years to measure something's cultural footprint by how well it could have, it can be monetized in every other aspect of our lives, and so right. it's the Disneyification of of 
Star Wars and Marvel and you know it's like every movie every new thing comes you know it's a new line of products and, and product placement and and it is ever the machine is so ever present and Avatar is a Disney or I feel like it's that slash the citizen canification of movies where it's like okay you have the commercial success and what that does for the culture and then you have the mm-hmm. you know uh, intellectual oh sure yeah 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 you yeah. know importance to yeah. film history and it's like alright it's not that it's not that this is just like so down the middle like accessible entertainment it's the most vanilla ice cream ever (laughs) but vanilla is really good and the older you get the realize you realize how much better it is than almost every other flavor yeah that's that's right you know and and I say this is like Avatar is now a Disney property because Disney owns 20th Century Studios and everything and you know there's the whole Pandora section of Disney World, Animal Kingdom, that I've right. never been to, but I've heard is amazing, right? And so Disney is, you know, sh- certainly. Tr- have we got an Avatar Lego? You not got an Avatar Lego for Christmas from someone, right? It is, you know, it's not for Disney lack of trying. It is just not. James Cameron didn't make this a movie that is geared for ten-year-olds, right? Neither of them, well, right? Well, and it's, it's accessible like, to that, but it's not for that. Yeah, and it kind of feels like a not yet. Yeah, like, with, with him keeping trying to build out four or five of these movies it's like oh this could be one man's mcu you know yeah i mean and that's the other kind of boldness of this is it's kind of like he is trying to do i guess what george lucas accidentally did with the original star wars trilogy Mm -hmm. right like george lucas you know he had treatments in mind but like they never knew it was going to be a, such a big success, and he fell into. Oh, now I've got to make three of these. And... If, he, if he knew, he probably wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, I get the sense that he not. just hates <laughs> what it is and what it's become and the people and. You know, but there is also this. There's there's all these like little anecdotal stories of like how Lucas just knew like this weirdo background character, his name and a background story for him. Didn't need to share that with anyone. Wasn't trying to milk that for anything. But like the Star Wars novelists in the '90s, they would talk to him and get this information, or whatever. And because he had the world in his head, and I think that's right. I think that's James Cameron, right? Which is, boy, he is so unrelenting in how poorly named everything is in Avatar. I know. Like, I mean, the meme of the first movie is unobtainium. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not talking about the unobtainium. I'm thinking of everything on Pandora, like the whales, because they're not called whales. They have a Navi name, right. and then right. they all have their individual names, and like all the characters and all the kids. And I'm like, I, I don't. Taktuku. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. I don't know anybody's name. I watched this three-hour movie. I don't know anybody's name. I know Jake Sully and Natiri, and I think at different points, the Sigourney Weaver girl was Kitty or Katiri or something, and took right. Which, how did that happen? <laughs> like, how is it How is it? that's what it is? No, how did Sigourney's Weaver's no. character have a daughter <laughs> that was a Navi? That makes, it really makes no sense, right? It, it makes no sense. It doesn't. And it's never explained. <laughs> it is explained only in that this was mysterious that her avatar body got pregnant and we adopted her baby. And it got pregnant, but she was dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she dies in the first movie. This right. is this all happens in literally the first minute of the new movie. This is not a spoiler. First minute, I'm already brutally confused. <laughs> but it just like like Cameron does not care if you cannot remember or pronounce any name that is dropped. He's like, look at the water. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, God. yeah. 
Would you uh, shut up about the names <laughs> and the lore? <laughs> I mean, he just he could not care about this stuff, or or he could. He, I think he actually does. He could not care that you. I know. Are. I was gonna say. I think he cares a whole yeah. lot. Yeah. But uh, it's like, oh, it's confusing. Okay, great. <laughs> now we're flying on, you know, dolphin birds and shooting machine guns from them. Oh, you're complaining. <laughs> you know, in some in some ways, though, like a lot of fantasy does this. Lord of the Rings doesn't really hold your hands when they're right. talking about stuff and it's just like all right i'm here whatever we're going for it okay so so the first one does i mean the first one is what it is it's taken 13 right. years for this new movie he's filmed most of avatar 3 i've heard the in the the opening act of avatar 4 has been filmed he's uh, pulling a peter jackson yeah. <laughs> you know it took him 13 years to do the sequel because he the technology according to him wasn't there and and the technology in question is mostly this motion capture underwater stuff they i appreciate that he wasn't like it's not there i'll wait he was like it's not there i'll figure it out uh, yeah i mean yeah this i mean pretty amazing yeah it is amazing and it really is like to me for whatever you think of avatar even if you don't like love it or, or or don't think it's you know, interesting or whatever. Like, let's be thankful for the way this is pushing technology forward. Right. And, and I heard this interview with him where somebody was like, kind of gently pushing, like, don't you think this is a lot of money to spend on a movie? Right. It's like reportedly mm-hmm. between five hundred million dollars, or I mean, he is kind of tongue in cheek said it's got to do as well as the original to break even, which is probably not right. true. But you know, there's some creative right. accounting that I mean, just a tremendous amount of money. And and Cameron said something like. Yeah, but you know, these big corporations, they're going to spend $500 million drilling for oil or, you know, making a movie. And I'd rather make a, I'd rather than make a movie. See, he's such an interesting guy that he has these two halves of his brain where it is a lot of uh, activism going on in these movies oh, yeah. for what he cares about in this world, but which he, is the environment. But he loves but he guns also, and soldiers. He, but he's also like, he's just got that unrelenting. I will like almost business oh, yeah. mind. I I will yeah. figure this out. Yeah. I will invent new technology. I will you yeah. know Elon yeah. Musk myself yes in, into this world. You know as problematic as that can be, but then he has this like it's for this heart that is huge. Yeah. You know? I mean, yes, and then of course Avatar Avatar Way of the Water the Way of Water ends up being this kind of allegory for like hey maybe we shouldn't destroy the whales. <laughs> right. no, yeah, the first one is like hey. Stop destroying our forests. The second one, stop destroying our oceans. And the third one, it's going to be cloud people or something that can't breathe. I mean, yeah, it is kind of this. Way. It's like the it's like the only palatable way to hear a message about any type of activism right now. Yeah, because it's so unrelenting online for any cause. Mm-hmm. You just hear all day, every day, how you need to be doing better about everything. Yeah, and it's exhausting. It's paralyzing in a lot of ways then he just makes the most entertaining thing you've ever seen and injects all that heart into it that you're like yeah our world's amazing and i'm excited about it yeah yeah you know? no i think that's right i mean it's just so hard too with these things because they just think there's so much policing that goes on in our culture about like these micro decisions we make on a human level that in the long right. run have no probably have no significant effect on right. these issues and and really it's like 
me doing this or that. Like, oh, like we love, like, cause that's what we grew up in the nineties, the idealism of like, if we just recycle, right. Right. I, I remember feeling that growing up in the nineties of like, Oh, oh we, yeah. Like we we'll have, figure it out. We have like, figured we out, figure out anything. how to yeah. save the world. And yeah. if we could all recycle, then it's going to be great. And then it's like, there's this jaded cynicism that has come of like, Oh, like recycling one doesn't matter. And <laughs> It's also like, wouldn't matter if we did it because corporations exist. Hey, no matter what you do, it's all over. Yeah. I know. I did have a moment watching this. I was like, there's no way our ocean looks this good. <sighs> and it probably did at one point. <laughs> yeah, but there are parts of the world that, you know, still have this kind of, un, you know, really beautiful, untouched. Sure. Um, <laughs> Cut but, to articles of the Great Barrier Reef dying. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it's this kind of funny thing of like the sequel that nobody seemed to be asking for, but he was diligently pushing the technology to make it happen 13 years later. And then it's here. What was your big takeaway? Because you were not like ex- super excited about this. No. And I mean, even with the first movie, it, it is a thing where it's like, this is a game changer in a lot of ways. And like when I'm watching it, I'm happy being there, but I never really want to go yeah. like, yes, let's put on avatar. Yeah. And so for this movie, I just had this, it, it was it's such a funny thing to go from Jean Delmont on our last episode to avatar two, uh, in, in a perfect illustration of the extremes of what film can be. Yeah. Like the most mundane yeah. and and torturously so, purposely torturous yeah. for you. Yeah. Because we need to show you what it's like to be a housewife in the seventies. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. A single okay? a single mom housewife. Yeah, yeah. It sucks. Yeah. And you're gonna feel that and then you're gonna feel the unraveling of that. But it's pulling teeth because it's so slow. Yeah. And then the opposite of like, I'm in a video game and I'm jumping <laughs> off dolphins with shooting machine guns as a blue alien at evil colonizers while defending my family. And also the ocean is made up of neon creatures. <laughs> and and it's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I felt yeah, it was this weird like this isn't really a movie to me. It yeah. almost felt like just the best screensavers mm-hmm. I've ever seen. But I'm in them and I'm I'm like swimming in them too. Mm-hmm. And then these emotional moments happen in the movie. Right. And we the first <laughs> That, that there's acts to this movie. Yeah. The first yeah, yeah, hour yeah. is like, we're catching you up, a little prelogue. So and it's the weakest part of the movie. So you get a little bit of a prologue. Then the middle is screensaver time. Yeah. And we're just swimming in the ocean yeah. for like an hour. Yeah. And it's the most beautiful ocean ever. And that's all we're doing. It's like, it feels more like a ride yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's the Zora in, in Zelda. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then the... The, it, it's a weird structure for a movie because then the yeah. last hour is just like, oh my gosh, Ugh. extreme highs and lows of emotional investment. And some of the best action filmmaking. Oh, the best. I have ever seen, period. The best. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like the amount of times I'm going, hell yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I so rarely respond to action movies like that. Yeah. Like Matt, Top Gun Maverick was a rare exception. Yes. It's like this actually made me come alive. Yeah, I want to talk about Top Gun later in comparison to this because I think they're they're both unique kind of yeah. 
yeah, anyways, we'll get there. But I, we both found ourselves like... See in the movies. <laughs> Did you see that? Of course I saw that. <laughs> that guy's not human. <laughs> that guy is a pre-Navi. Look, look, look if you know what he is? Look. He's a Navi that got into like a human body, but like thinks the human body can do the things Navi can do. That's Tom Cruise. Guys, listeners, if you have not seen the video of Tom Cruise thanking all of us for going to the movies this year as he free falls out of an airplane. And apparently is shooting the scene from the new... Shooting a scene for Mission Impossible uh, Dead Reckoning. And as he as he departs by spinning through the sky by himself, he's already he's already about to hit the ground. He's like, I'm he says, altitude, "I'm losing altitude." Anyway, I'll see you, in the movies. See you at the movies, and he spins off. It's amazing. <laughs> it spins off into the ocean. We should vote for that as a movie moment at the Oscars this year. <laughs> oh my gosh, that man. Um, Anyways, um, so yeah. Okay, so for it to be this thing of like the sequel, I was not asking for. I'm not emotionally invested in my mind with these characters. Right. It's not like when Fellowship of the Ring came out and it was like, oh man, I can't believe I have to wait a year for the next one of these. Right. And this has been 13 years, and I was just like, well, that's fine. I could have waited a few more. And then you're. It, it is strange, real quick, because we, we talked about this off mic about this. Uh, post avatar depression PAT mm, mm-hmm, that people have mm-hmm. where they watch the first one and they're like really bummed out that they can't be a part of that world. Yeah. I'm like, I remember having a sense of that when I first saw it, yeah. you know, like, damn, that is like, like when he's running free and you know, like just in a magic world, yeah. like I almost felt it more for that than some of these other fancy worlds that yeah. we've grown up in love. To be fair, um, though, I, I think I probably had a very similar post-depression when I, the first time I saw Tarzan, so... Right. <laughs> it, but that's another, like, natural world. But it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, the reason I was even saying that is because it's funny that you ha- I had that feeling of, like, it sucks I can't be in this world, you know? Mm-hmm. But I never really wanted to rewatch the movie. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good point. Like, I never wanted to revisit <clears throat> it. Yeah. Anyway, it's been since... Because I never wanted to watch it again. Yeah. Since I first saw it in theaters, really. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. There's this, like, I want to be a part of this, but I don't need to see the movie again. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think... But I was just... I was so surprised coming into it, despite all of that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, right. I am really emotionally moved. Right. At all right. of the right moments. And, yes. and it is because... What he does is so foundational storytelling. It's so mm. archetypical. It is so... And I've heard, like, criticisms of this movie being, like, really regressive and outmoded and not representative of, like, our progressive society and people calling out, like, the line that Jake Sully says at one point of, like, a father protects his family. Right. It's what gives right. him purpose. And, ha- like... Whatever. And I'm like, that's, to me, I I think, and not that I so responded to this stuff, I think that's why this stuff is successful. <laughs> I don't know. In, in, in the modern world, a father leaves their family. And, <laughs> you know, kind of looks out for personal interests. 
And I'm more moved by that, I find, when I see that in cinema. <laughs> you know, just abandonment. <laughs> it, it's such a dumb idea. It's so dumb. Ooh, that, that's that's problematic. It's like, then why am I crying in the theater <laughs> watching the and blue that's, people? That's what I'm saying. It's like Cameron yeah. understands we actually don't always need to everything does not need to conform to whatever is the progressive wave of our culture right now because there's still something fundamental about these stories right. that most people really long for, right? We, right. we long right. for the kind of themes and ideas that we, you know, solely stick together. We long for family and community that sticks together. And, and I think Cameron really understands that in a fundamental way because I know, I know a few people who, when I, you know, I always ask people, what's your favorite movie? And uh, I know a guy who's in his mid sixties. I worked with him, um, for a few years and he would say, Oh, he would talk about Avatar all the time. It was his favorite movie, the, mm. fir- the first one. And, right. and I will be honest, that mystified me. <laughs> right. But I just, I was, I was like, really? I texted him on Friday. I said, hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm seeing Avatar. And he was like, I got my tickets for tonight. I can't wait. And, it, and it's like, oh, I, as I'm thinking about this kind of the archetypical nature of it, I'm like, oh, I get why he loves it. And, and it's not mm-hmm. a knock against his appreciation of it either. I think right, for sure. It's like, Oh, I think avatar two especially helped me unlock some of that of, of this is just right. This is the fundamental story. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Cause that's probably a bit of maybe a little bit of what's missing. Maybe the past couple of years where we feel like there's a really good spread of semi mid movies mm-hmm. where it's like, they're almost more clever than they are. Uh, actually moving yeah you know trying to like subvert a lot of these <clears throat> archetypes in but it's why maybe little not women so effective ways it's why little women is so effective for me right because it's like you know it's just, this is family <laughs> like right that that's what it is and right and and family and these girls navigating like money right like that's a major theme of that movie but it's like right it's foundational but like sister yeah. chaos yes you know yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. The, the just the realness of that the earthiness yeah. of of relationship and 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 you know the cheesy moment and i just i think about it all the time whenever i th- hear the title which by the way my son did say why is she not that little <laughs> When Joe, when Joe was on the screen, but you know, the, you know, I, every time I hear the title of that movie, I think of Bob Odenkirk saying "My Little Women," right. <laughs> and it's so cheesy, but it's like it, it moves me every time. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where it's ripe for hyper criticism of its seemingly simple mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. And, or and and kind of complicated and convoluted story, but. At the same time, it, it's the stuff like that that hits especially hard. Yeah, you know. Yeah, in a theater. And and I think that there's such a, a, a wisdom to saying, well, this is what this movie is going to be about because mm-hmm. everyone will understand right. it. We're not going to make it an overly complicated. I I think we said this after. I was so impressed. That's what this by... movie is about, and we're and we're going to keep reminding you of it and keep mm-hmm. saying it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I saw Chris Rock recently with Matt. That was mm-hmm. part of the surprise birthday thing. And the thing he does in his bits is he'll latch onto a phrase and just keep yeah. saying that phrase all throughout, like, the bit that surrounds it just to, like, hammer it home. Like, okay, you understand his point? Okay, moving on. No, he's like, no, no, you're going to understand my point until mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it hurts, you know? 
and then he uses it, that in so, different ways yeah to get it's the so laugh. much more effective yeah because you realize it's a little bit deeper what he's doing anyway yeah than just when he first says it yeah know? i know I, it, it, I, it's impressive because it is not this overly complicated sci-fi plot where i've got to keep track of where all the characters are i was also I, so what i was going to say was how i was impressed by how low stakes the movie is it's right. the fate of Pandora is not at stake. It's just the fate of the Sully family, the Sully clan, mm-hmm. like, right. and, and, and they're bent on killing him and that's the movie. It's like, okay, I get this. this. I understand all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Destroying the universe. Yep. It's like, great. I understand this. I, I boy, I was so impressed by this movie. This, this movie is like, they should teach it in film school because James Cameron, I, there was not a moment in the action, right? And and here's the thing. There's not a moment in the action sequences and the plot where I was needlessly confused, right? Right, right. So, Which in those action, action sequences, you'd think you would get confused because a lot of stuff happens. A, a tremendous amount of stuff is happening. Yeah. And... It is like, uh, you know, machinery and soldiers and like these mechanic crabs, robot crabs. A whale hunting side story that is like. And and this stuff that is like all new to me, right? I've never seen technology like this because it's created for this movie. I've never seen creatures like this. The crab walkers. Yeah. All of this is really new to me. And. But it was not a moment where I was confused about where I was situated in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a shot, I was never confused. Right. Even when the boat is upside down and the characters are lost. Yeah. And he slips in a little Titanic mini movie into the film. Yeah. He knows how to do it. He did it in Titanic. It's, It's great. And that's another movie. I mean, Titanic's a good example of he's so expertly in control of guiding you through that experience right but i was i i was so impressed by that right I mean, you know yeah it's it's weird that they adopted sigourney weaver's avatar's baby right I, i'm i'm confused by that but i that's fine we moved on well yeah and i guess knowing those other movies because there's another yeah. plot point where she has a seizure underwater and it felt like it was that was gonna you know crescendo into yeah. something important later and it doesn't yeah, yeah. so like okay i guess he is really playing a long game here. yeah yeah. With his world. That'll but, probably pay off somewhere else. But those were not moments where I was like, oh, I don't understand what's happening. It, sure. It, it, sure. It, it, and even like the mystery of what was going on with that, with the character when she has her seizure. It's, yeah. It's like pretty quickly explained by two medical doctors that she has epilepsy. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. and, oh, and maybe there's something spiritual happening, right? And that's, you know, and, the, and and that's within three minutes of it happening. And you're like, okay, that's where we're going. Yeah, I, the, the action sequences were, were so incredible. I mean, they looked amazing, but it is, right. it's, it is also just like expert, expert, expert filmmaking. Visual candy of this oh, movie yeah. is relentless. Yeah. It's crazy how fun it is to watch it. Yeah. And I'm, I don't really like 3D movies. Like, I, I don't yeah. like that experience. Yeah. Of like, it's a little bit darker. Yeah. I'm getting headaches faster, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I'd like to see this again, not 3D. Yeah, me Just too. like 4K or whatever. Yeah. But my gosh, it was like, I don't even care what's happening. It's so I know. good to look at this. I know. It, it's like the, the Navi look better than the human characters. Yes. 
Yes. Like they look more real than the human characters. Yes. They, they like, what is happening? I, I, I saw this clip going around. It's the, the moment where Jake gets on one of these water flying dolphins. Heck yeah. And he grabs the reins, right? They've got some saddle on it and he wraps his leather strap around his hand and it was like a couple of VFX guys like analyzing this shot. And they're like, okay, so everything in this shot is CG. And there's there was another clip of like, they made this practical harness with the leather mm. strap, but it was clear in the shot that Jake Jake's hand was definitely CG because it, mm-hmm. it was not painted on. It was definitely the blue yeah. knobby skin. And the, the VFX guys were like, well, they probably used the prop as a reference with the motion capture. But mm-hmm. even the prop is probably recreated in a computer. Right. And it's right. like in the water and it's just like little splashes of water. And these guys are like, this is probably, these three seconds probably cost $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and they're like, okay. they're like marveling over like how wet and real it looks. Like, speaking of Marvel, <laughs> like, I would be happy to go watch their movies if they took. Five six years to make them, and they yes. look this freaking good. I, I feel that this this is to me the, one of the biggest takeaways of this movie. Of clearly, Cameron is interested in the experience and the and the cinematic experience, where Marvel is like, mm-hmm. wh- which is all comic book storytelling of like, right, here's right. the plot, and we're gonna give it to you fast. Yeah, and just like on to the next issue. Yeah, like keep going. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like it's a lot easier to have a comic book template for you have a much more variety in the type of story you can tell and it still be satisfying yeah. than a whole movie. Yeah. Cause a whole movie demands higher stakes than, you know, a 50 page comic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. So, I mean, and I don't know, I mean, a hundred thousand dollars for the three seconds and I don't know, you know, how do you take that into account? How do you quantify that? Yeah, how do you quantify that? It's silly, but it 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 was this moment of oh, this is like a really astounding thing, you know. I mean, these are professional VFX guys who were kind of like I don't really actually know how they did this because like they, they're they're creating new models for water, obviously, and they went through the Weta workshop, which is the one of the FX houses that did um, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff in this movie. They you know, because a lot of it's public information, all of these patents that Weta developed in 3D modeling so crazy. over the production of this movie, specifically for models with how to 3D model water and all this stuff. I mean, they're literally inventing ways to do this. There was a clip of Cameron on Twitter today where he was like, yeah, so we got these jet propelled. Yes, yes. You, know, you, you saw this where yes. it's like, yeah, you, you, you've probably seen these before, like... Uh, the past few years on the internet where it's like these super powered like water water jetpacks jet that people wear yeah. Yeah, on a long can, hose like, sh- on a long hose you can shoot out and fly around he's like so we had those we wanted those as visual references for the actors to be like looking up at the dolphin things flying around or whatever well, and, and then he's like then we invented our own <laughs> that can actually do what the creatures in the movie do and i'm like dude why don't you just like hey like can you just develop product for humans <laughs> And then like, we send our actors up there. He's like, when with the proper motivation, it's like he can invent flying cars because we need that as visual reference for the movie. Because, uh, and then, of course, the next thing you need to remember is that 
everything you visually see in the movie is a digital creation and then right. all everything so like... he's creating every every physical thing he's creating is just for visual reference what he's a psycho <laughs> but the best way possible oh my gosh it's extraordinary yeah like i said it didn't feel like a a lot of it didn't feel like a movie but it just felt like a ride yeah and so for but... that alone people should make Get out to the theater it, but, and, and experience the way it should be. And this is what I was going to say about the climax that last hour. Like, you have this very, like, exciting, busy, but not chaotic, big action set piece that's, like, kind of this, you know, the, the battle, right? Mm-hmm. But then the real climax is a more intimate, as the ship flips over, they're all underwater, the kids are involved. You know, it, it is... And it is extraordinary to look at. I I, I yeah. remember just sitting there like I was marveling at, at every time one of them would pop their heads out of the water. And I'm like, that looks more real than like if I were there. Anything yeah. I've ever. Yeah. I mean, when I'm a... swimming in a lake, it doesn't compare to that. <laughs> when the spirit fish come in, you're like, my. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he adds the extra Spoilers. challenge of of creating this human character, this human boy who is kind of a part mm-hmm. of the family who has to like perfectly and seamlessly interact with all of this digital creations. <laughs> and it, I mean, it is, it, it I, I just, insane. I was just like, how do they like, it, you know, especially, you know, spider would walk around on the land and all of this. And I'm like, all oh, of that is digital, but, but it just, it just looks like he's there. <laughs> like, it's amazing. <laughs> How'd they do that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a spectacle that is pretty fun. A pretty fun time at the movies. I don't know if I have anything like deeper mm-hmm. or more interesting to say about it, but it was pretty fun. I had a exceptional time, and and you know I st- kind of teased this earlier. I was thinking a lot about Top Gun this year. These these are both kind of long-awaited sequels <laughs> with kind of psycho driven personalities that are mm-hmm. kind of behind them and the driving force of these projects. Right. And, and, and really like Tom Cruise, you know, in different ways is, 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 is as exacting as James Cameron, right? We're going to put all the actors in jets and fly them around and we're, that's how we're going to film this. And, 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 you know, yeah. with the team, like they develop that, you know, they, they're able to do that. It's the same thing with Cameron. And it's, it is just so striking to me that it's like, even though they're both sequels, it is still mm-hmm. so different than what we've been getting the last few years. I, I am just, it's 2022 has been an okay year for movies. I think it's been fine. Um, as we've alluded to often when we do our best 10 movies of the year list, which we'll do in a few weeks after you and I've kind of caught up on everything, you know, most years, those lists look like a lot of kind of quote unquote serious or important movies. Right. And, and a lot of times that's pretty forgettable, (laughs) um, what it ends up being. As I sit here, I'm trying to remember what it was for me last year, you know, uh, well, licorice pizza, I like that one a lot. You know, or these movies that are by our, you know, our 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 tour directors. You know, the Fincher's right. and Scorsese's and and PTAs and stuff. And and I'm looking at my top ten of this year, and I'm like, well, it's gonna be Tar, it's gonna be Top Gun, and Avatar is gonna be pretty close. Like, only because if we're actually ranking, I don't know that there's another thing I've seen that right. is going to stick out to me in terms of out, just just quality as sure. as what we watched on friday and and there are movies i think yeah. I, li- I maybe like more or 
and it's almost tempting to have it lower because of its yes. um, <clears throat> reputation of basicness. Yes, because, which gets us to, I mean, I guess this is our segments. Um, those segments may be hard on this one. Well, first got to talk about what we're, what we're drinking tonight. Yeah, I had a glass of water and a tangerine. So I'm actually sipping on something different this time around. Okay, tell me about it. I'm sipping on Magic Mind. Oh, I know about Magic Mind. <laughs> so this new product I've seen on Instagram, you know, random comedians, podcasts, I've talked about it. It's a, it's like a matcha, nootropics, ashwagandha, mushroom shot Yeah, in the morning. It, I mean, it comes in a little bottle. And it's, yeah. a, it's supposed to be this thing that kind of is in tandem with your morning coffee. But I've been taking it in the mornings. As a kind of you take it, you take it like with your coffee. Yeah, because it's it's like so. Apparently, caffeine doesn't actually give you energy; it just blocks the thing in your head that says you're tired. Yeah. So I've been taking this thing, Magic Mind, which is actually gives you energy with the type of ingredients that they're using. And I was very skeptical at first, especially mm-hmm. just like how it would work versus coffee. But I will say, normally one, two in the afternoon, I am getting headaches and I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> And <laughs> you need that afternoon coffee. Yeah, I get that afternoon coffee, but even that, it's like it has this uh, diminishing returns. Yeah. Yeah. And so I will say this past week, I have not been getting those headaches. And I've been yeah. like actually pretty alert, aware, not sleepy in the afternoons. So uh, I. That's pretty good. I have to recommend it. Uh, I, and I will say, I have been trying Magic Mind as well. Okay. And I am feeling a similar kind of just a... a, a you You're know, feeling good. I'm feeling good. A, a less of a... Because I, I drink... My Copious motto is mostly coffee. is that there's never enough coffee. Right. For sure. <laughs> but I definitely yesterday, because I just, you know, been trying it the last few days, yesterday did not ever have a moment in the afternoon where I was like, oh, I need to definitely make Juice a mug of coffee. Right. Um, I was feeling fine. So I, I've noticed different too. Yeah. Yeah. I just recommend it because it's actually been helpful. Very few of these types of products I f- find to be helpful in terms of focus and energy. So, oh, and, 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 and we just had COVID, uh, like two weeks ago and it, the thing, our biggest thing with COVID was just how tired we were. Mm, the haze. And I, and I was still feeling that even the, the, the week after we were testing negative. Yeah. And so I was, I was, I really felt that like as a positive thing for us because for me, because just because of what we've been through the last couple of weeks. Heck Yeah. And so, well, that in mind, we we gotta we gotta mention that we actually have a coupon code for them. Ah, so if you this go, this is our first coupon code, our first sponsor of the pod, Magic Mind. So you can actually go to MagicMind.co/slash/movie/sleep, and then if you enter the coupon code MovieSleep20, you get forty percent off uh, your subscription for Magic Mind. And so they do a subscription model, but you can also do a one-time purchase. And, but and I said, but we we gotta we gotta recommend it to you guys because especially with our our pod name here, movies while they sleep. I've been very tired <laughs> on these late night recordings, and Magic Mind's been helping me out here. And and their whole thing, they call it the, the world's first productivity drink. Is that kind of the way that they yeah. talk about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the uh, guy that made the drink wrote a best-selling book called Beyond Coffee, which kind of oh yeah t- talks about. You know, the problems with deriving our, or the idea of coffee supplying us endless energy and kind of what caffeine's actually but, doing but, in our bodies. But I've still been drinking coffee with this. Yeah, sure. No. I mean, yeah. I, I, I drink coffee mainly because I love the taste. 
But Me too. this has actually been helpful for our energy. So again, if you guys want to support the pod, if you want to try this product, uh, we both genuinely recommend it. Go to magicmind.co slash moviesleep yeah. so they know you're coming from us and then enter the code moviesleep20 for 40% off your subscription. There you go. So that's what I'm sipping on. On to segments? On to segments. What do we got? How do you do a favorite shot <laughs> this film with this video game of a film? How do you do a favorite shot in a movie that is screensavers? Changing frame rates every other scene. But it's also just like screensavers. beautiful screensavers. Right. Like, right. It, I, the, the whole second hour is my favorite shot. Okay. This is what I will say. I don't necessarily have a favorite shot. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I really, that I found really compelling in the third act was Mm -hmm. the way that kind of all his photorealism, all this work that they've been putting into it kind of comes together in the eclipse portion of the battle. You know, the sun goes behind Mm. the moon. It's in darkness. The light source is basically the ship that's on fire. Everything is sinking and wet. And so it's this combination. To me, it's like, and this is this is why I'm going to point this out because we had a conversation about this after the movie. You, myself, and Tony about <clears throat> about the modern day trend to do like these big action set pieces, basically in the dark, in especially to TV. hide the imperfections. Yeah, because you know, I, I don't know if this is true, but I think the common kind of understanding is a lot cheaper VFX wise. If it's, you're operating in low light and you don't you're, you don't need to render as many details and all that, right? You can get away with cheaper effects and doing it a little more sloppily, um, right? And and so he, Cameron, you know, part of his big finale sequence is at at night. It's an it's you know eclipse time of day, whatever. But you lack for nothing in terms of detail or quality of effects right. in the dark. <laughs> yeah, it's just another interesting way to see the movie. Yeah. It, it's everything is so perfectly lit with all the fire and the lights from the ship and 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 it is almost like oh, this is actually harder to do in the dark because we've got to now show the kind of the, the wetness and the water in a different way and still mm-hmm. make it believable and I it, that to me was like really visually beautiful and and compelling like a lot of a lot of contrast comes out at that point you know in the the colors so it was just i was so impressed um so i just i don't know that's not a favorite shot but i guess i'll highlight it here he's like i'll take your guys's little trick and turn it on its head i mean yeah i mean intentionally or not right yeah he pulls it off though i think I'm I'm just gonna go for the moment that I visually one of the like oh I I wish I was there the most and for me it was the scene where Jake is sitting on the dock with Sigourney Weaver teenager yeah, yeah. what's her what's her name Kateri something yeah Kateri and their feet are in the water yeah. and I think it's nighttime and like but the ocean is just lit up glowing. with creatures yeah. glowing neon and I'm watching it I'm like. They're not cold right now. Uh-huh. That water is like perfect temperature. Uh-huh. Oh, it's the most I, surreal. I can tell you, I thought about the temperature of the water quite often during the movie. Right, right. You're like, it's probably kind of cold, but it's like maybe the Navi don't really get cold. No, no. And then I, that was my first thought. And I'm like, I bet it's warm. It was just warm all the time. I know. I bet it's just per. I bet everything yeah. 
in Pandora is perfect all the time, yeah. and my current world sucks because I'm not there. Again, uh, Avatar Syndrome. <laughs> you know, I'll highlight another. You want to say more about this moment? It was just insanely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I'll say another moment for me that was a, like it, it was a big laugh for me in the theater, and it, it is definitely James Cameron like crossing a threshold of kind of just like oh he's just doing this now and it's the moment where the middle son is first becoming acquainted with the whale um Mm. i wish i knew their names or whatever and this middle son who's just learned sign language i guess from the water people he signs something is asking questions of the whale and then the whale blinks at him with its like third or fourth eye and then on mm-hmm. the screen, it's just a subtitle that says, it's too painful to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the questions that this brought up in my mind of, uh, what? <laughs> how, is, how is the whale communicating to the kid? And it's so dumb. It's so dumb. He's like, shut up. <laughs> it, because the whale doesn't have any Like James Cameron to us. To He's like, shut yeah, up, no, just that's accept what, it. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's just like, oh, no, we're here now. Come on. Keep up. Yeah. Come on, the whale's blinking. Yeah. Don't you realize Navi understand yeah. that? And then you get that sequence later where the whale family tribe, you know, returns into the bay and all the, the Navi go out and they meet their soul brothers and sisters. And it's just like this beautiful stuff, right? It's like really, mm-hmm. really like moving and, and emotional. And, and, and by that point, I'm so bought into the delusion that the whales can communicate with like, their obviously. eyes. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And and it is this these stupid tricks that this man is pulling. Like, I don't know how he gets away with it. It's insane. We just, for him, you know, for, for James, we'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, that's, but that's for exactly right. that ytt guy i don't think so <laughs> i'm critiquing every little detail from just the trailer what movie are you talking about um, thor love and thunder i don't i don't know what what that guy does okay what else we got letterbox review letterbox review would would you you know what did you I, give this thing i went back and forth on this and this is why i want to talk about this by the way a little behind the curtain here this segments section is being recorded two days after the main fe- main part of the podcast. And I know we talked about the Tom Cruise video and the main part of the podcast, but have you seen the other Tom Cruise video that came out yesterday? It is this eight minute behind oh, the wait, scenes. Oh wait, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Of this that. stunt. This this is insane. This is I I was watching, I was like, what could possibly be happening in the movie that would require him to do this? <laughs> I had what the could they, same what, thought. What, what, what is the plot point? Where my, they're like, all right, all right, all right. I, for him I, to get away, he needs to get off this cliff. But there's a ramp there. See, you know, but it makes sense why there's a ramp. There. I am assuming that the ramp is not going to be in the movie. It'll be digitally removed or something. Yeah, but because it's on. like it's dumb well, that there's why a ramp do any there. of it then? It doesn't matter. It was just like Tom Cruise waking up and saying, "Got to warm up my body," and he's doing like base jumps off a helicopter, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's, it's insane. It's insane. I picture him whenever he jumps, he says to you in the movies, even when there's no one there. And like, yeah, he does that. He just kind of talks to himself. Okay, I brought it up for a reason. I brought He's this spinning. up for a reason. See you in the movies. <laughs> the movies. Just constantly. Okay, so. It's like Tom's lost his mind. I, you know, I went back and forth. And originally, I, I rated Avatar 2 four and a half stars. And, okay. and I felt fine about it. Because I really enjoyed it. And the more I thought about it, I was just like, oh, 
no, it's just so good. And I was like, why am I withholding? Is it, is it because, uh, you know, whatever it's, I changed it. It's five stars. Like it's not, it's not cool to rate Avatar two five stars. That's, that is exactly what was holding it back. And I thought I had so much enjoyment from this. I thought this, I thought, I think it's better than the first movie. And this year we are so fortunate. Edit. Whatever. Give it five stars. <laughs> yeah. That's my, that's literally my, my letterbox reviews. I think we are so fortunate this year to have this movie and Top Gun Maverick in terms of like big budget blockbusters that are giving us something that I we haven't really seen in movies before and that is interesting and effective and pushing the craft. And so far this year, you know, I've given three movies five stars. It's this Top Gun Maverick and Tar, which, you know, those exist right. in very different worlds. But right. for me, that feels right. But maybe... We could get him to come together, and that would be the movie. <laughs> I want Navi Lydia Tar orchestrating oh. the underwater choir. <laughs> oh. Did you hear that uh, Todd Fields is doing a short film in the Tar universe that's going to be released at Cannes next year? <laughs> <laughs> every single movie from now on is going to have its own cinematic universe. I- Look, if I got to live Every in one, single one. It's, the, it's, it's the LTCU, right? You don't know the TAR cinematic universe? What are you talking about? Literally, I, I just searched TAR short film, and the first article says, "Tar the TAR cinematic universe will expand with new short film. <laughs> I, I, oh I, it's fine. It's so great. Like, bring it on. Imagine um, if this trope existed in 2000. Three, and it was like the terminal cinematic universe. <laughs> Instead of JFK, it's a different famous airport so that I can't even name one. Except, except like it always has existed because of like 2003, four, like Crash comes out. Remember that movie? Did you ever see that movie? It won Best Picture? No. 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 It's, no. it's like, you know, notoriously worst Best Picture winner ever. They made a Crash TV show a few years later. Like, this is, this is all we ever do. Okay. Well, yeah, well, maybe Terminal would be a good thing. <laughs> but like, I, it's like Larry David's next project after Curb. <laughs> he just keeps finding scenarios for this guy to get annoyed at a... Okay. Right, you're right. What's, bad idea. What's, bad your, idea. what's your letterbox? Uh, I gave it four. And probably because it's, it, I don't, it's not cool to give it five stars. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I... It's hard to it's hard to tell what you're actually doing on Letterbox. Are you rating your single experience in that moment in the theater, how fun it was? Are you rating like how this film, like what you think of it as a film compared to all other films, like like as a movie on its own separately from a theater IMAX yeah. fun? Like there's a lot of problems with it, yeah. but I, does that matter? I don't know. I I think I'm constantly changing my your own um, metric yeah my yeah. metric for letterbox depending on the mood yeah so it, it could easily be four and a half i probably i would i couldn't go five I, but it's weird because i'll give like pretty okay movies four stars sometimes like i, I know like i saw a jimmy stewart movie jimmy stewart western <clears throat> and i think i gave it four stars but it's like because it, my metric three and a half almost feels like a bad movie oh that's how i feel i'm like I'll give a but I know for a lot of people that's not the case. That that's like a pretty good movie. Yeah. I'll give a movie like 3 stars. Like I gave Bullet Train 3 stars and Bullet Tra- mm-hmm. Bullet Train was like very okay for me. Uh, it was meh. It is so meh, but that 3 stars that felt like me giving it kind of 
a harsh right that's like a major diss yeah and but i think a lot of people three and a half is pretty great you know yeah so i feel like i give a lot of four stars me too i feel like i give a lot of a lot of four stars and i was thinking about this movie in comparison to others and i and it's just like I, I see and this is my other thing is like are the five star movies the ones that i like the most or the ones that i think are the best i i, I mean but I, isn't that weird that those are different things they are different things. if you liked them the most they would be the best because like i just said the three that i've given five stars this year tar mm-hmm. top gun and way of water i think there are other movies that are better than at least two of those <laughs> mm-hmm. like right I, I think tar may be both my favorite and the best movie that i saw this mm-hmm. year but yeah. but there are others that that i think are better than those but right but I, isn't that strange but i just that I, we we have that awareness like no it's better but i like it more but, it's like okay then isn't it better yeah i i know i i don't know how to untangle those that's two the, things yeah. that's the constant battle yeah. on letterbox yeah so i don't know maybe it could go four and a half but right now it's out of four all right what, what else we got unsung hero <laughs> i got i got mine hit me <laughs> my unsung hero is edie falco aka carmela soprano (laughs) why is she there (laughs) who why is she punching a punching bag in a mech suit who is no reason who has said in interviews this week she filmed this so long ago four years ago she thought the movie had come out and had flopped and she'd never heard about it (laughs) this is how inconsequential this experience of being an avatar was for her well, all she did was punch a bag and drink coffee. She used the robot arm to facilitate the mug to her mouth. It's incredible. I, she used the, a mech suit to train punching a punching bag and drink her coffee, which you're like, do you really need to train like you're with not, boxing? You're not building up the muscle of the robot. <laughs> right. It's like it's so strange stupid. choices so for her character. I, it was so dumb. Every time she was on screen, I loved it. There, this is, oh man, I just say this. He's feral. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other thing about this movie is you can tell the skepticism of Cameron, like does, does he have it in him to tell five more Avatar stories? The first hour could have been two or three movies. Like this this kind of guerrilla warfare insurgency right, against right. the humans. Like the way they take out this transport train. There's a movie there. Right. That's a whole movie, you know, and that it becomes like a footnote in this, you know, Carmela Soprano footnote in this whole movie. So uh, she was great. What about you? Uh, I'm gonna, I'll take that one too. It's too good. <laughs> or I'll just take coffee cups in general. Every every bad guy in this movie really enjoys drinking coffee. No, and it's a funny, it's a funny trope. I I heard someone say this that there's this thing where the human characters in this movie are like dependent on coffee. And Mm -hmm. which, which then there's kind of a way to read it even further, which is like coffee is a natural resource that is like in our world now, like Mm -hmm. mostly cultivated and harvested at the expense of the indigenous uh, populations that where we can grow it, it, right? Like, (laughs) damn it. And I was like, oh man, I don't know how intentional that is. But I but it tastes so good. But I don't know how not intentional it is, right? It's like, can you read? Oh, into, it's intentional. Like, There's no way he has a robot drinking her coffee for her in the stupidest way possible. <laughs> and it, it, they'd be like, James, do we really need? He's like, yes. I'm saying something. <laughs> That's uh, when he chooses to get like deep. It's great. I love it. What else? We, I don't know. What else? We, uh, got? we let's see. Favorite shot. 
Unsung let's Hero. Just, let's just jump to our... Or normally we do what else we're watching, but instead we're going to do... You know, we're going to ring in the holiday season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cue yeah, the yeah. jingle bells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to just recommend a couple, you know, seasonal options that might not be the first thing you see on Google when you search 10 best Christmas movies. Yes. Great. I got a bunch. Okay. All right. Let's start you, you it off. You start with one. I'm going to go with, and I I recently bought it on Apple TV for four ninety nine because I saw it last year and it was a stone cold five oh, stars yeah. for me. It is called The Apartment. More of a New Year's Sorry. movie. Mm. No, no. There's a Christmas it, party. It, You're right. All, yeah. Yeah. And all New Year's movies are really Christmas movies. Except for Phantom Thread. Damn it. Yeah, the thing is, if Christmas and New Year's are both in the same movie, it's a Christmas movie. Okay, that's fine. New Year's doesn't have the legs to carry a whole film. But uh, The Apartment, Jack Lemmon, mm-hmm. absolute shining star of an actor. And it's just ridiculously funny, ridiculously well-written. Pace is amazing. It's, I mean, cinematography is actually really incredible, too. And it's just a cozy Christmas romp. And... It was a delight and a surprise to find it last year. So I'm going with The Apartment from... When was that movie? Uh, it's 1960. It's Billy Wilder. From 1960s, The Apartment. And Shirley MacLaine is in it. And uh, The Apartment was the first movie I watched this year. It was it was wow. my New Year's Day movie, um, 2022. So good. Yeah, it's so good. Wow, that's a good pick. So Black and white. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you can only watch It's a Wonderful Life so many times. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's got like Christmas. similar kind of not. I mean, it's a similar kind of era, right? <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. Energy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I've got a few, but I had a, one I can start with that I just thought was this really sweet movie, and it is on Netflix right now. And like, kind of nice family movie uh, is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, so mm. the, the new stop motion, totally stop motion Pinocchio adaptation. It's not the Disney remake with Tom Hanks, which is terrible, uh, which also came out this fall. But um, this is Guillermo del Toro's, which is more of his own ad- adaptation of the original kind of novel or folk tale or whatever. You know, it, it you know this kind of from Italy and that kind of thing. And but he sets his kind of um, at the the brink of World War II, and Mussolini is featured in it, um, and so it becomes an allegory for like fascism, but. That's not really the main thrust. It, it really is about grief and fathers and sons. And it's, it's the craft of it is so extraordinary. And I, I started it. Oh, yeah. Did you? Yeah, it's beautiful, I, isn't it? I, I, I loved it. Oh, the first 10 minutes, I'm like, homie, you got to chill. <laughs> My God. He's just like. Yeah, it's really just good. A, a, a tomahawk to your heart in the first 10 minutes. I know. It's yeah, I mean it's there's like definitely a sadness to it, but we watched it with Enoch, he's 8. He really liked it. Um yeah, it's great. It's yeah. really funny, really well yeah. acted, especially the ch- the child actor that plays Pinocchio is like really talented, which child actors rarely are, especially the monkey. Yeah, the monkey's great. Did I talk about this early on this episode? No. Do you know who plays the monkey? No. Kate Blanchett. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. Wait, the the circus monkey? Yes. Doesn't she also play like the god? No, that's Tilda Swinton. Yeah. No, it's oh very my confusing. God. Tilda Swinton. They sound similar. I know they do. Tilda Swinton plays the the wood sprite and death. That is hilarious. But Kate Blanchett literally comes in to do monkey sounds. Oh my god. Because 
She, you can watch the behind right, the scenes. I need to, re- oh, I yeah, need to yeah, rewatch yeah. No. the whole first half now. Um, you can. You, there's Netflix has like a behind the scenes uh, featurette. It's like a 30 minute doc on the making of the movie with Guillermo and and the cast. And like the first actor that gets interviewed for this thing is Kate Blanchett, and it's like what what like this woman is going to win an Oscar for tar. And she also spent a couple of days doing monkey noises for Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> She's a pro. She's she, the story is she was on the set of nightmare alley and said, give me something for Pinocchio. And he said, the only thing I got left to cast is a monkey. She's <laughs> like, please. It's so good. All right. You got another one. We've been the past couple of years. We watched a movie called holiday affair. Oh yeah. Holiday affair with 1949. Uh, starring Robert Mitchum, who oh, yeah. also stars in my favorite movie of all time, and it's just another like wonderful. It's Wonderful Life adjacent, cozy black yeah. and white like family drama, but like New York <clears throat> in the forties. It's good. It's yeah. all and Robert Mitchum, she's yeah. a baller in this, and Wendell Corey is also in it. And mm. Wendell Corey, my ongoing theory with him is that he's a demon in human form. <laughs> Yeah, Merry Christmas. So he he's got these terrifying eyes. That, so, so that are, are they are not human. So uh, yeah, holiday fair. Check it out. Okay, you, I I rewatched the uh, the Fellowship of the Ring this week, uh, which like I think has become a Christmas seasony movie for people. You know who you are? Who? You're ABC Family. <laughs> Did they play this at Christmas time? You're ABC Family with our 25 Days of Christmas, and for like a week of those days is Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, not at all. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's funny. HBO Max, they advertise all the, the Harry Potter's as holiday movies. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I, I, don't know. I don't know what it is about Lord of the Rings either, but it I, I rewatched it this week, and there's just like... It, it it is to especially that movie it is just like getting into something i am very familiar and comfortable with um mm. like a warm bath like i knew every line of like the first 30 minutes of that movie it's it's fun and nice and uh it really holds up and i i um yeah that's all i have to say all right i people were asking me this week what movie they should go see in a theater on christmas day and i watched on demand, I watched The Fablemans this weekend, the new Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, but it is playing in theaters, and that's the one I, I have been kind of recommending to people. Because it is like very much a Steven Spielberg PG-13, like pretty soft PG-13 movie, right? Like there's Yeah, which very, is pretty rare these days. Yeah, very little that's offensive about it. That's going to offend anyone. To, the, you know, somebody was asking me, well, I'm, I wanna, I've got like teenage sons and my 70-something-year-old dad. And it's like, I don't know how much the 16 year old's going to be into the Fablemans, but it's a well-made movie. And, and, and I really liked it. I, I, I think you and I talked about how the promotion on this, like looks terrible. I don't know how they yeah. sold this movie, but uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It really connected with me. And it's, there's just a sweetness to the movie. Nice. Yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. I was just thinking the other day how those kind of mid-level 23 or uh, PG 13 movies are kind of, yeah. Falling away. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? I don't think I do. It's been a good year for the podcast. Great year for the pod. We're gonna have got another episode. We're gonna do another episode next week. Uh, the I end of the year. Oh, I don't know. We're white noise is our next episode, and that might be coming out either first week of January or a little New Year's end of year vibe. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see what Which we can we do. We really should do Phantom Thread at some point. Uh, so uh, if we don't see you, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, truly. Thank you for being a loyal listener to the podcast this year. And hey, big things in store for the pod next year. Can't wait. I'm talking guests. I'm talking merch. I'm talking more sponsors. <laughs> in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Moves While They Sleep. Leave us a rating and review. Send the pod to a movie lover in your life. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Good night, y'all. Bye. We're getting wet. We're getting...